Today is March 4th, Season 3, Episode 3, Decky Peanut Butter. How are we, man? The roof of my mouth is a little sticky. But other than that, we're feeling great. We got Alex French today, co-founder of Busy Coffee. In addition to that, though, you know, Alex has started all kinds of companies. He's been the co-founder with his uh, founder, which is funny, Andrew, as well. And, uh, man, he's just got an incredible story, lots of failure, but also lots of insane stories about him running the world's toughest mutter and just getting involved in all kinds of different stuff. And he even slept on uh, the floor of his New York office when they were going through some sort of food accelerator not an apartment not an apartment it was insane he he t- talks about it all on this week's podcast we're super stoked for it andy pouch how we doing man i'm awesome alex you're the man for coming on our show your story is incredible from graduating st thomas to everything thereafter to busy coffee i mean this podcast is great let's get busy intro music it's your time to shine oh yeah dude it's kind of hard to put these skyline specs on when you're wearing these headphones and you're trying to read ads but i'll tell you what i pretty much wear these skyline specs anywhere else in the world uh, I, I walk around town and people are like yo what are those i'm like these are some wooden engraved sunglasses called skyline specs and they're like man what's spe- what skyline is that in and it's like well i'm rooted in denver i have the denver skyline on the side of, uh, of the side of my glasses because that's where i'm from that's what i really care about but it's not just me repping Denver. It could be you, the marketing interns, repping some back pocket sunglasses. It could be repping the Minneapolis, the St. Paul skyline. Hell, maybe even the L.A., maybe the San Francisco skyline. Go check them out. Go get yourself a pair of sunglasses from the Back Pocket Podcast. Tell them we sent you. Skylinespecs.com. That's S-K-Y-L-I-N-E-S-P-E-C-S.com. I'm Alex French, welcome to the Back Pocket Podcast. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty awesome. Thanks. How are you guys doing? We're stoked to finally have you on. We had a little hiccups. Some, the, uh, the old cold yeah, held, the old, held you back. The old flu, but we're here uh, and we're feeling good. You look great, by the way. Oh, thank you. Can, we, can we get the camera on Alex real quick? I just want to... The first time we ever met Alex, uh, he's wearing this exact uh, sweater. And I was just like, that's the coolest sweater in the world. I love it. It's It's phenomenal. You know, it's, look. it's funny. I've never been a man of fashion, and uh, I've I bought this shirt at a thrift store. I'm colorblind. Fun fact, and I thought I was buying an ugly Christmas sweater, mm. uh, not Christmas colors at all. Turns out, and I've literally never gotten more compliments on a piece of outfit or clothing than this one sweater. Certainly more than everything else combined. It's crazy, dude. It's a great look. I mean, you got the winter vibes going, and it's damn cold out right now. So mm-hmm. there's that. But uh, our marketing interns, we got to know you a little bit at uh, Sisyphus Brewery. Got to get the busy coffee story and your and your story as well. But our marketing interns don't know your story. So if you could just break it down a little bit from maybe where you grew up to how you started Busy Coffee. Yeah, it's certainly been uh, a long journey. Uh, grew up in Minnesota boy, so I grew up in the northern suburbs. Um, kind of like I'm a gearhead. So like my whole vision as a kid, I had this like Ferrari on my wall. And it all started with like, how do you get how do you get a Ferrari, right? Like, what's the what's the secret sauce? And my dad, no entrepreneurs in my family. My dad's like, you got to start a business. And ever since I was a kid, that was like my, that was my plan. I didn't really know what it was or how I was going to do it, but I'm just like, that's the secret. 
now I don't really care about material possessions at all, but it's that was like the impetus. So <clears throat> grew up in the northern suburbs, went to, uh, you know, Irondale High School in New Brighton. Then went to the University of St. Thomas, really had the vision of entrepreneurship. I was always like a hustler kid, you know, mowing lawns, picking up leaves, selling stuff, beanie babies on the internet, going to trade shows. At one point, I think we had, my brother and I had like 150 spawn action figures that we were just like buying and selling. Beanie babies? Beanie babies. What's the reason behind that? You had a bunch or? I had a ton. Okay. Um, supply and demand. Yep. And basically <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, there was just people that were paying because you, you would go to the store and they had like a list price, right? Like everything yeah. cost the same amount. And there were some that were just super rare and you could like 20x your sales price basically if you sell, found it on uh, on eBay. So That's incredible. That was like the Gary Vee method of like uh, garage sales before it ever happened. Uh, did you ever make a sale like Chris Broussard? Do you know who that is? No. Uh, the whole the running joke with Chris Broussard, he's like an ESPN NBA analyst, that his sources that he gets are from Beanie Babies. It's great. Yeah, it's incredible. A lot of sources. Yeah, I digress, though. So, so the hustle the hustle started early, and um, we got to learn that Busy Coffee wasn't the first company that you started. So there was a couple other ventures that uh, you got after. Lifty. And- which was like I when I was looking at that, what what was like the whole thing behind that? Because I know I, I'm a big skier and you snowboard, obviously, but right. um, no tension there. Uh, but no. like, what what was like the whole idea behind that one? Was that your first one? I guess I I don't. That, want to that was to the it. first like um, company that I had incorporated. Okay. <clears throat> so like LLC or whatever. Sure. And um, one that I like actually tried to make like real money off of, as opposed to just like mowing us a lawn. So basically doing a service. This was the first product business that hopefully could have scaled. But the kind of the impetus was I was a snowboarder and I was always putting my snowboard on my boot while I rode the chairlift. And it was just like ruining my boots because you'd have the sharp edge of the board. It cut my boots. I yeah. kept buying new boots. I'm like, oh, this is stupid. These are f- perfectly functioning boots, and I'm ruining them because of placing my board on it. So that was kind of the impetus. And then I uh, was working with my current business partner and best friend, Andrew. This was like right after college, and we were basically just like drinking beers, tinkering in the basement, making stuff. He's a, he's an engineer. My dad's an engineer, and I just have always been good with my hands. So we were just like making things. And um, basically just developed a product and, you know, the product, I have some really valuable lessons there. Like it was really functional for the beginning snowboarders and like really old snowboarders, but snowboarding is super like trend. It's, it's really cool and like hip thing. So people do what the pros do and the pros did not want this at all. So just totally flopped. But, um, we had an awesome brand. So like till this day, if it was been an apparel company, it'd be wildly successful because we still get people asking us for stickers and t-shirts and all the swag we had developed, koozies, you know, all that yeah. stuff. Because the lifestyle of being a lifty is like a real thing. It is, yeah. But the product like did not match the brand and it just totally failed. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of sweet though. I mean, that's that's incredible. And did you, I mean, you, you said you really learned a, a ton from that. It was there... Um, I know you work out a ton too. Mm-hmm. Is uh, did you see kind of the balance of Andrew being an engineer and you being an entrepreneur? Was there some sort of like cohesion there that like really helps? Because you guys have run now multiple companies together mm-hmm. with Busy being the um, the current one. Right. Was there is there like a really was there something was there something like cohesion there or something special that you saw early on or what was? Yeah, hundred percent. So um, there's like a bunch of personality tests out there, and I'm like a textbook. Um, entrepreneur starter so I always have a vision a bajillion ideas I start everything 
So like all the crazy ideas for better or worse are generally mine. And Andrew as an engineer, he's like super process oriented and he'll like, he's very logical. So I'll be like, I have this amazing idea and I'll pitch him and he'll be like, that's eh, not really an amazing idea. And the good ones he'll run with and he's like a really strong finisher. So, and this will come to life if any of you get into any of the fitness stuff, but like, I'm like, let's do this crazy ass 24 hour race. Yeah. And then it gets to like hour 20 and I'm like, I'm, I'll, I'm cool with just stopping right now. And he'll be like, let's just keep going. And, and he's a strong finisher. So between the two of us, we start things and we finish them when we execute flawlessly. And did you first meet at St. Thomas? No, we've actually been friends since middle school. Oh, that's dope. Oh. Yeah. So we like met as kids and then high school became like okay friends we played different sports but both played sports and then in college he went to the u of m i went to st thomas um we both got into like motorcycles so we were no one really at like 18 was riding motorcycles besides us so bonded over being gearheads and then uh we just like work out together and talk about ideas and that's kind of how it all snowballed okay and from what i remember reading you did that 24 hour the world's toughest mother i think is what it's called Mm -hmm. but you guys did that because you were running a fitness company at the time yeah so basically we if you kind of like go back to right after you graduated college was just like you know wasn't like a major athlete in college but always when did you graduate by the way 2011 cool and um was just I'm like this kind of weird goofy person so I was like oh they have this thing called tough mudder you basically just like run around in mud and climb stuff and like jump off things and it's like kind of exercise so we did that one year just the two of us and then I was at Best Buy and I had this crazy friend named Kent who was like oh we have to do this and he was a group fitness instructor and we're like, oh, we should just like get a bunch of Best Buy people to do the race. We did, got like 30 of them. And then we're like, oh, we'll, we'll train you. That was like how we convinced a bunch of people to do this race. Yeah. So we all got certified as group fitness instructors and had this like pay what you want model, which is generally a terrible model. But some people would like seriously pay us like $60 for a, like an hour session. Most people like wouldn't pay us at all. But through this whole thing, we ended up like making a couple thousand dollars. And we're like, all right, which one night we're like drinking beers, which is how all good ideas happen. So the three of us are all drinking beers and we're like, all right, where are we going to go do this like race out of stakes? It was basically free for us. So we're like, all right, let's do some cool experience. And like, we probably had too many beers and then all of a sudden this 24 hour race popped up and I had never done a marathon. Most I had done is this Tough Mudder, which is, it's 10 miles, but it's like you stop every half a mile. So the most I'd ever ran like consistently, was three miles. And so we just like straight up signed up for the team event and having like not ran marathons or any real like you know professional training and we had like 100 days to do it and so we basically just signed up and then uh, made like a plan and kind of crushed it holy smokes whoa oh my god (laughs) what was the 100 days like of training yeah it was insane. Um, we took it really seriously. So we're all like a very goal-oriented people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the guys, my f- crazy friend Kent, he has done a ton of marathons. So he basically did like all the running exercise. And Andrew's like a pretty big dude. So he like led all the weight training exercises. And I'm like the weird one. So I was doing like the climbing. We'd go to the climbing gyms and gymnastic gyms and stuff like that. So we basically just had like a very regimented training plan. We'd all train wow. together like four or five days a week. It was insane. I remember this one day. It was a Tuesday night. It was like the month before we were going out. And so the race is, it's 24 hours, obviously. It's in November, so it's super cold. So everyone wears like wetsuits. So we're all wearing our wetsuits. It's like probably midnight on a work night. We have full black wetsuits on and like hoods and headlamps. And we're just like running in and out of the lake in the middle of November. 
And it was the craziest thing because, like, cops are rolling past us because we looked like legitimate criminals. I mean, we're all blacked out wearing these, like, headlamps, and it's the middle of the night. And we're in, like, a pretty nice neighborhood, so it looked, like, real sketch. But, uh, yeah, totally great time. Just lots of insane training. Oh, my gosh. That is so cool. You, <laughs> met, you, oh, you mentioned hour 20 being, like, a, a point where you're like, ah, this is – we fuck, we just did – we did a lot, and I'm ready to – I could cash in right here. Uh, but Andrew was ready to push it uh, push it forward. Was there a time before that that like anyone else was like, dude, what are we doing? Can we uh, can we can we all agree on that this is insane? Yeah, for sure. So what we didn't really know, like we'd like tried to do research. We're generally like research focused people, so we like reached out to others that had done the race, and they're like, yeah, you got to make sure you wear this and that, and like I screwed up here. But what we didn't realize is like everyone has a pit crew. So when you go out there, you basically like set up a tent and it's you have like a campsite where you like got to feed yourself, change, do all these things because it goes from like hot to cold. And I will never forget this for the rest of my life. First year, I think the most I'd ran leading up to this was like we did a 50K trail race. So it was like 30 miles or whatever. And I remember we're hour four in. And this woman's, like, just clapping so hard because, like, it's all about positivity. This woman's like, great job, only 20 hours to go. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I don't think I can go another hour, let alone, like, 20 of them. So it was totally insane. And, you know, we, like, had a a coach that was on the phone, and he would, like, call in and check in and, like, kind of guided us and was like, each person has a job and you check in with each other. And there was certainly a point like it's so long of a grind that you will be like at the rock bottom multiple times. And generally everyone's at a different place at a different time. So it was just like very much being, um, having like a really high EQ to just understand like, all right, you're going to feel like shit at one point. I'm going to feel good. My job is to just like cheer you on, be in the front and then have the other guy that's like, feeling okay in the back to just like push everyone mm-hmm. so yeah. super team uh focus but yeah i mean it was like really really hard we, we did the race a bunch of years but the first year was hands down the hardest because we had no pit crew and like i just remember finishing thinking to myself like holy shit i've peaked right uh, yeah like we weren't even we didn't even like win or anything right yeah, we just like finished, finished mm-hmm. right? how old were you when you this when you did it for the first time uh, i think i was 23 or 24 okay time to step up this is my year yeah, man, it was it was wild. I was like super depressed for the like six months after the race. Legitimately, really? just, I was just like, "What do I do? Like, what do I do now?" Because of course, I had the lifty previously that had failed, and mm-hmm. I did this race, and I was like, "Shit, I peaked! Like, what else could I ever do that's more badass than this?" Mm-hmm. Weren't you working for uh, General Mills at the time too, or something like that? Uh, the yeah, the first year, yeah, the first year. So we started. I like left Best Buy and then moved over to General oh, Mills. Oh, sorry. Best and Buy. um, but I was at General Mills when we actually did the race. Gotcha. And so you're doing this, all this training and all this like crazy idea that comes from a night just drinking beers with the with the fellas and crazy Kent, and doing this with a full time job. Like that's badass, dude. That's yeah, there was awesome. there was like specific nights where we would legitimately train until like two in the morning, and oh. then we'd all be back at work at like eight. Dude, but the yeah. grind is so real. Yeah. I love that, and I think, oh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Was that experience those experiences? Because you said you peaked right after that first race. 
you did it how many more times? Like, did you just, did you just get the bug and you were just like, I need to keep pushing myself? Or? Well, it's so funny because after the first year, I like thought I peaked and I was like, all right, I'm never going to do, I think we got like uh, sixth place or whatever. And I was like, all right, I'm never going to, A, I'm never doing this again. This was so much like the, the, the actual like event is one thing, but the mm-hmm. training, like people don't really understand how much training and like sacrifice goes into it. Like we were not sleeping. I mean, I there was this joke because I started the training at General Mills or at Best Buy, excuse me. And there was this like joke that I like would legitimately fall asleep at my desk pretty much every day, and that's like why like all this coffee kind of came into my life and everything. <laughs> but um, you know, the training is this massive sacrifice. So we finished, and I was like, I'm just, I'm just no way, I'm doing this again. Like <laughs> zero chance. And of course, Kent, he's like, oh, we gotta go again. We gotta win next year, and. I was like, the only way I'm doing it is if you like, don't pay for it. Because it's really expensive for like the training and the food and the gear and the travel. Yeah. And um, Where was the race or where are the races? So the first year we did, it was in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And then the like next couple of years, it was in, just outside of Las Vegas. Okay. So those are much warmer. Well, they're much warmer in the day and much colder at night because okay. it's the desert. And uh, you're wet the whole time. So, uh, you know, you think like the desert, but it, I mean, it gets to like you know 35 40 degrees but you're soaking wet the whole time so you're and you like have no energy so your body's not like producing heat basically so they kick most people out of the race they quit because of hypothermia so every lap you have to like do this like like what's your name where are you these because it's like you know it's it's the real deal because no one like really prepares for the cold they're like oh it's the desert it's gonna be super hot Mm -hmm. and then no one wears like the right you know winter gear essentially and we're from minnesota so like we're normal like this is normal it's zero degrees outside and we're like it's cold but whatever let's do a podcast exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly where people are coming from like warm climates and they just don't know what to do yeah oh my so new jersey's uh yeah that's that it must have been nice going from new jersey to las vegas because you already had that feeling of being utter cold it's just like absolute unbearable and then obviously it gets cold in, in the in the uh, during the nighttime but not as cold um i kind of want to bring it back a little bit and go back to st thomas and uh the early days from graduation so a lot of our audience is between 18 and 24 um and i kind of want to just hit home that entrepreneurial bug of yours and what it took for you to go out and post-graduation and do these things um from scratch it, that's not easy. We're doing it um, from five to nine, so we're not relying on the back pocket as our income. And you kind of had a similar experience to start, and I would just love for you to hammer home just a, some advice and maybe your own just personal experiences. Yeah, so so during college is probably like my biggest piece of advice. If I go back and do it again, I would certainly do it do it differently. Um, I would go all in when you're young. The, the value of having a .edu email address, no one really understands, but... If you have a .edu email address, you can pretty much meet with anyone, especially someone that came from like, so say you're a St. Thomas student, you can reach out to anyone that has ever been a St. Thomas alum, and they will take a meeting with you for sure. That's how um, we got one with you. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're, it's awesome, right? And here we are. So yeah. um, I do that all the time, and I wish I would have done that even more in... Uh, in college because you can i mean you have so many resources i mean st thomas has like an investment fund they have marketing professors entrepreneurship professors if you just go with an idea and say hey i got this idea what should i do for your expertise finance marketing supply chain whatever i mean they'll fill in that page of your business plan for you they just want to help and st thomas wants them to look good so they're going to help their students look better basically um 
so that's kind of a, some some advice. And then you know, after graduation, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but didn't really have like the great idea. So I did the same thing from you know five till one a.m. or whatever. Would just do the hustle, and it was pretty much the same thing. Just reaching out to people that were smarter than I was within a given topic, and then of course, like it's you, you got to take action. Like you got to like do it. And for us, it was like okay, problem, and then start making something. Luckily, I like really enjoy making stuff. So for me, it's not like tough to motivate myself to go do that because that's kind of what I want to do anyways. Um, But really, just like deciding emotionally like this is what i'm going to do and then just like reaching out to people that can help in some given way and just like cold emails they feel scary but the worst that happens is people don't respond like that happens to me 20 times a day probably yeah and i also like what you said with the dot edu thing it's also you're 18 to 22 not really knowing what you're doing with your life but the fact that you're taking the ownership or just understanding and reaching out to someone and saying hey here's where i'm at how can how can i be better pretty much and especially when you're in college and you're not like a threat or in competition people are more than willing to help out now you know and and i I feel like if you 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 have that it's such a finite space i mean we still get to reach out to people and oh yeah um, we we do it it all all the time and i'm curious on your end it has was there one example that stood out to you that you know, I'm surprised they respond. Like I, I this is like a reach person that I cold, cold emailed and and got a response and that kind of ignited a little bit more of a fire. You know that probably happens more now because like I have the confidence to really reach. When I was yeah. a college student, I was like, you know, I'd be like scared to talk to my professor about something, Same, right? Yeah. Where now I, after doing it for so long, it's like I re- I reach like really high right now. Yep. Um, and at the end of the day, like a cold email is a cold email and. The, a conversion rate of a, of a of a college student is going to be ten times greater of me as almost a thirty year old that is in, in business. Sure. Um, so I can't think of a specific one. When I was younger, um, my advice would just be to throw you know take a flyer. Like there there is no negative repercussion at all. Like yep. they just don't respond. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're out in seconds. It took to craft the email. And then you follow up with like maybe a response email. And that's and, that's and usually, one more, and then you kill it. Yeah, yeah. Or you just like hit the guy up in uh, on Instagram him. stories yeah. for I don't know two months, and then he's like, "Wow, I really like what you guys do." And then he comes to the podcast. That's David Meltzer right there. It's great. That I was mean, a wild time. Yeah, you just keep. Eventually, they're just like, "I'm so sick of this person that I'm gonna just give my time." Like <laughs> yep. that, like, legitimately, <laughs> that will happen mm-hmm. at, at some point. Oh yeah. During the off season, we just kept falling into traps in the apparel industry. It's a dicey business. How do you mean? Uh, you just can't Google custom-made gear for starters who do you trust it's a lot of money up front with really no guarantees and they kind of rip you off the first few companies on google google not a damn sponsor but seo is tough man these companies are paying for ads and you just don't know which way to go we have no creative juices they just really aren't worth our business you're spot on we spent two years trying to find a fresh and trusty custom gear manufacturer And that's when we ran into Visionary Manufacturing, or should we say Visionary Manufacturing found us. Blake Anderson, the founder, awesome guy. We're talking to him every week about custom-made back pocket gear, and he's been the man. So we want you guys to utilize this resource. Yeah, if you guys are looking for some trusty custom apparel ink, book through us, and we'll give you a sweet discount. Hit us up at backpocket at visionarymfg.com. That's B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T at visionarymfg.com. That link will be in the show notes of this very podcast. And so, okay, so now I, I kind of want to take 
your exp- your experiences now with in the fitness world and challenging the shit out of yourself, which is just incredible. We could make a whole podcast on that. And then you mentioned you were like, I was sleep falling asleep at my desk, and like that was kind of one of the catalysts for the start of busy. So where did that whole um, busy coffee they get busy? Where did that all start? Yeah, it's it's very. The initial idea is so far from what I have built today that um, people wouldn't even believe me. But basically, yes, I was very tired. I was drinking coffee. I was drinking cold brew coffee. I moved over to General Mills, and I had access to like all this data and just information. And basically knew that cold brew coffee was going to be a pretty big trend. And I had read this book called The 4-Hour Work Week, which is awesome if listeners haven't Tim listened Ferris, to right? it. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, totally like changed my life. And the whole idea was like I actually liked my job, generally speaking. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to make money and have this like cool thing I could brag about to my friends. And this like it was going to kind of date myself. But we the original idea was, hey, we looked at Google Trends and the keyword cold brew coffee was getting like an insane amount of traffic. And there was no real like thought leader or um, anyone like talking about it online. So the original idea was to set up a website that all it did was just like it was basically a blog that talked about cold brew coffee related products, how to make it, recipes, what have you. And then we were going to build an affiliate program where we get a commission recommending products to Amazon. And so we went down, we built the website, we did all the research, we started blogging, and then we looked at the laws. Again, this is like so old school that the state of Minnesota didn't allow you to collect affiliate revenue. And so our whole like idea was scratched at that point. Can you... Uh unpack that a little bit further for someone that doesn't understand it yeah so such ba- as myself yeah so basically <laughs> like um in- influencers online are a perfect example right they'll be like oh use code x y use my use code my name at checkout to get 20 percent alex to get yeah. yourself a free back pocket t-shirt i don't know if that's a real one but exactly right and then you would pay me five dollars right because i promoted this your t-shirt yeah um so that's basically what we're trying to do with cold brew products whether it was like blends or cold brew makers or ebooks whatever whatever um but the laws stated at the time that that was illegal for whatever reason in the state of minnesota they just like wouldn't let you do that at the time so it's not anymore no now now everyone has an affiliate like amazon has their own program where anyone can get commission so like we get a commission from selling our own products on amazon just because we like link to amazon using a custom link Mm. so they've totally changed the rules and now it's like everyone does it but that was like the start of the idea and we were like had so much conviction in the category that like wasn't going anywhere and it was going to be really big in the future that we're like all right, but I guess we'll just like make the liquid. We were making it ourselves. <laughs> so we're like, all right, I guess we'll just like, and, and this was insane. So Andrew and I were living in this like really old mansion in uh, uptown and the kitchen was legitimately from like the 1950s. It was so disgusting, but we're like making cold brew and it was terrible in the beginning because uh, it really all depends on your grinder. It turns out and we had, we're using a blade grinder like most people. So really poor product, started making it ourselves And then kind of like the big aha moment for us is, um, again, listening to a podcast where I get most of my knowledge. And this one guy was like, oh, you got to like live in a nice neighborhood and talk to rich people. So we basically found out that some of our neighbors were really wealthy and we bottled up a bunch of coffee and then went door to door on Christmas Eve, just like handing them out a gift. And turns out one of them like worked as very high level at a very large food company in Minnesota and made connections to this other really successful beverage entrepreneur and then it kind of like snowballed into us like getting investment and, and selling the product on the internet. 
was the strategy Christmas Eve, or did it just so happen to be that night where you're handing out coffee? No, I mean, this is like a textbook example of my personality trait. It was like, tomorrow's Christmas Eve, we're going to just do it tomorrow. And it has nothing to do with this Christmas Eve, but like, yeah. we got to do it tomorrow because then if we don't do it tomorrow, then it's going to be like Christmas Day. And then it's two days later. And well, why would we wait two days when we can do it tomorrow? Yeah, it's the opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Where was your house in Uptown, by the way? How, how in relevance to this mansion in yeah, with the nineteen so, fifties kitchen? So not you, making cold brew. Yeah, I don't remember the exact address. Maybe it was like seventeen twenty one Franklin. But basically, if you go down Franklin <laughs> Avenue, um, towards Lake of the Isles, going west, it's the last house on the left. It's like a yellow, old school looking castle. It was built in like nineteen oh four. It was awesome. Can't believe we got to live there when we did. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, no more, unfortunately. Yeah. I see us a lot in that situation. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's. We, I'm uh, picturing right now, like, what can we go door to door with and you can pitch it to one of these guys? Well, so what's funny is we're, we kind of already have started to do that with, because all those houses along Lake of the Isles are just incredible. Mm -hmm. And Andrew and I were, we always go on runs in the summer around Lake of the Isles. And we noticed this one that had a chess table on. Yeah. Like, oh, where it's like, welcome to the blue zones or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. And, then, and then I got a book. My mom sent me a book Yeah, that's just said blue zones on it. And mm -hmm. I like, I came in the mail and Declan opened the package and was like, blue zones. I went on a run. I saw blue zone. Oh, this is the guy, Dan Butner. Mm -hmm. And so we just went out in front of his house, played chess, did a photo shoot with back pocket t-shirts on it. <laughs> so awesome. And po it posted it all over social media and he responded <laughs> and, and he's doing like his book tour right now. So hopefully we'll get him on in yeah. June. Um, but yeah, amazing. Same motto. Yeah, we have been it. hitting him up again. It's like the really annoying thing. Like he just keeps getting these messages from some random Joe Schmoes and like Dan Butner, uh, is his like big thing right away was he biked around the entire United States. And I think the world at some point, St. Thomas grad guy. Um, and that's why we got the book initially, but yeah, the, I think the only thing he ever said to us, he would comment on, he goes, I think I recognize that house. <laughs> that's it's like awesome. the only thing yeah. he said, but mm. Hopefully he comes on at some point. We'll probably send him this exact video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're out here hustling, um, and you you get one person that really feels the passion of Busy Coffee. Take me from there. Yeah, so this was 2015, and this guy who's really helped us, his name is Kieran Foliard. He started Two Gingers Whiskey, Kieran's uh, Pub, the local, et cetera, et cetera. And honestly, like, you know, a lot of people will say, like, there was one person that really helped, and he was the nicest guy I've ever met. Like, I can't believe he gave us as much time as he did. You know, we had this general idea where we're like, all right, cold brew coffee is going to be a big category, and we think we can execute, basically, is all that it comes down to. And so, literally, once a week for breakfast, he'd have us over, and him and his wife would just, like, whiteboard ideas with us of, like, the brand and the marketing and the strategy because he knew beverage and distribution, which is people don't think about it. But like, how do you get the product on the shelf? That's like a like physically moving it from point A to point B. And so he just like really um, helped us a lot. And he saw us continually work like really, really hard and just not give up, even though we had day jobs, we were still like working our asses off. And then uh, we got into an accelerator based off of like the brand that he and his wife helped us create. And then we basically quit our jobs it was this like huge decision because we both were like really crushing it in corporate america and um we basically had to quit our jobs with a week's notice move to new york with no place to stay and like join this accelerator but it was we had been trying to raise money for probably like six months and couldn't do it, it was very unsuccessful at it and this was like the the last ditch effort basically we had invested everything that we had into it at this point 
I think we were all in between the two of us, like, you know, $50,000, like a ridiculous amount of money. And we're like, all right, we just can't keep spending money on this. If nothing's like going to happen, no one's willing to invest. We ran out of money. And then we ended up like getting into an accelerator program and they gave us like a very small chunk, like really not even that much. Um, But it was like that external vote of confidence to be like, all right, you know, we got these good jobs, but would we regret more not doing this or doing it? And as of right now, you know, I think we made the right decision. Dude, where, where did you stay? <laughs> when you were in Dude, it, was so cra- it was so crazy. So, so they, they gave us like a stipend. And so we were like in this program called FoodX, which none of them. So we're like consumer packaged goods, which means we have like inventory. So we have like a real product that we have to pay for in advance. Everyone else is like a software company. And most accelerators generally will give you like, you know, in air quotes, let's say 50 to $100,000 to basically live and work on your product, but these are just coders. So they're basically paying their salary to live. But for us, we needed inventory. So we basically like scrambled to find a place to live and it was in Manhattan. So super, super, super expensive. And we stayed at this place for literally a week and we're like, all right, we cannot afford this. And the office that we were staying at was um, in Wall Street and it was really freaking nice. And it was like probably 10 times the size of our apartment. And had the same like kitchen amenities and better Wi-Fi, so we're like, let's just freaking sleep here. And so we basically like went out to REI, got some air mattresses, and then got a gym membership and just slept in the office every night and showered in the morning. And it was so funny because like we'd be the first ones in there and the last ones there, and we're like, guys, oh, busy boys, man, they work so freaking hard. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we literally don't have an option because there's nowhere to go. And you're doing this under the radar. They don't know you're sleeping there. No, okay. no, no yeah. one knew until probably like two. So it was a three month program, and after like two months, we started like we became really good friends with all the other uh, portfolio companies. Yeah. And so we started joking around because there was like conference room, and we're like, hey, get out of my get out of my bedroom over there. And then it turned out that like there was a couple of other companies that were really strapped for cash too. And uh, they did the same thing. And the last month it was like a dorm room. Basically it was like a party and every night there'd be like four companies, like eight dudes just all hanging out at night, like living in this apartment complex, which is so funny. It's an office, not an apartment complex, but it's so funny. Cause we like go downstairs and there's the doorman that's like working for security. And we all walk out with our gym bags in the morning looking like scrubs. And we come back in like, you know, an hour and a half later. And we're like all shaved and cleaned up with the same gym bag. (laughs) So funny. Phenomenal. Man, so I'm I'm loving this story. And I love creation stories from point A to point B. So I'm going to get down to the nitty gritty of everything. Mm -hmm. So from the accelerator, what was the next journey of steps that came after that oh man it was tough so how old were you at the time when you like quit your job and uh it was 2015 so it was like 26 okay 27 if you haven't realized declan loves dating people if they haven't realized it's good yeah Yeah. i I like like to not remember (laughs) so that way no one knows i'm just building the timeline that's good thank you i'm an engineer i like numbers like them a lot but um but yeah so basically we had like as I mentioned, I had really great careers. We quit. And keep in mind, I was working at the food industry. And then I quit to start like a food and beverage company. So yeah. socially, there was so much pressure on me to like not be a failure. Just like internal pressure, right or wrong. I'm like, sure. I was, I had this job and I took this leap of faith to be successful. And like, I, I got to be successful here. Yeah. Failure is not an option. And so I went from living in this mansion on Lake of the Isles to sleeping on the floor of the office to the whole point of the program is like you raise a bunch of money at the end and then you like go continue to build your startup 
and we like didn't raise any money and so we're as broke as we were when we started probably more so because we bought inventory and so both andrew and i moved in with our respective parents and then we basically like struggled to raise capital for another probably six months and then we like finally raised capital but it wasn't enough to do anything other than like set up an amazon website and like try and sell the product in retail we like we hadn't paid ourselves at all and um and then we like let's see in march of 2016 we launched on our website our whole thought was like a subscription model didn't work at all because people need to try the product it's a food product they need to try it before they buy it so that totally failed um we launched in one retail store the wedge co-op a couple blocks from here oh yeah which like crushed it which gave us this terrible false sense of hope that we were gonna like do awesome (laughs) because it it was like this anomaly co-op in minnesota that is not like any other store in america so we like crushed it there but we're like really nervous like all right let's launch on amazon because our original plan was to sell on the internet like there's demand here yeah we launched on amazon in may and thankfully that like took off and totally crushed it but the it's like really technical but our industry we used a co-packer which means someone else made the product for us and the minimum order quantity was like one hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash and then we had to like sell it so it was like super stressful so we basically were like buying this inventory and then like sprinting to sell as fast as we can and um so this is like 2016 we're crushing it on amazon we like did really well with some stores in retail but most of them totally failed and um so that was like the journey of 2016 thankfully amazon like we got really smart and became very successful on amazon and this, at this point you have one um product we is have it... one product yep. one skew like one flavor one size yep. cold brew coffee concentrates and um at this point were you actually pretty good at making the coffee or you had someone else make it we, for you but yeah. you knew like the formula yeah we knew we like very te- we're technical experts you had something that tasted say. good yeah it tasted good okay. um you know we, it did well on amazon yeah but it has a shelf life right and we basically mm-hmm. had to buy a literal truckload of this product so like the first six months it tasted awesome and then the like second six months not so awesome and so you're like really like oh shit we got a six really is shelf a sprint life. yeah it is a sprint and so you're like, all right, well, do I try and drive for profit or do I just like try and get my cash back on the inventory so I can do another production run? Because right. if not, you got to raise money again. Mm-hmm. And the problem is no one knew what a cold brew concentrate was other than like a niche search audience online. Retail mm-hmm. people had no idea. So like then going back out to raise capital was really, really freaking hard because investors are like, well what is a cold brew concentrate and we're in minnesota little known fact there's a company in texas which is doing like 15 million dollars in cold brew concentrate and that's what we're looking at but our investors in minnesota don't see it so we're like struggling to raise capital and basically through this like need i was like all right i got this idea we found out that like people were just drinking the concentrate straight even though we told them not to because it basically was like really quick convenient energy basically like espresso so i like had this idea i was like all right well eventually we can like at this point, I had pitched so many investors. I kind of knew how they thought. And it's like emotion plus opportunity and like greed is what people like invest early stage companies for. And I was like, all right, well, Five Hour Energy does a billion dollars in sales every year. And like it's kind of intuitive to be like, oh, if there was a coffee version, that would also be very successful. And so just through like pure necessity, we basically pitched this idea of a coffee shot and um ended up like raising a ton of money for this idea but the problem is we hadn't validated it it wasn't rooted Mm -hmm. in any fact 
it was just like, I think we can raise money. We're going to run out of money and the business is going to fail. And then, of course, like introspectively, it's like, well, shit, I was in the food industry and I'm going to fail. So I can like, I got to swing for the fences here. So long story short, we ended up launching this product and it like did not succeed. Mm. Yeah, it was a total bummer because like we all were like thought really highly of it. But the problem is, I mentioned shelf life earlier, the product like gets worse tasting over time Mm -hmm. and uh, it like didn't taste great. And so first and foremost, food and beverage products, like what sells is what tastes good over everything. Like I'm a health nut and zero calories, zero sugar, like matters a lot to me. But I am like such an outlier. It's ridiculous. People love great tasting things and they really don't care what's on the nutrition facts for the mainstream consumer, the people that are taking shots, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the product failed, and um, did you have a cool design at least? Like those those five hour energies are pretty cool. Oh, it was and, awesome, yeah. and we like won a bunch of awards too. Like we we got like recognized for best new product of 2017. Damn. And by like this company called Bevnet, which is like the number one trade publication. So like externally, it was like we are crushing it. Like we're get, we got into like a thousand <laughs> stores in like three months, wow. and we like couldn't get at any stores with the other product. So everyone like externally was like this is a home run like five hour energy but coffee like why wouldn't it work uh but we couldn't make it taste good with our like production capabilities basically it was just like a manufacturing challenge for us and so the product is still in the market We're, we've discontinued it but it's like selling through mm-hmm. and uh we basically like, went back to our roots of just making cold brew coffee that people know and understand and um through this like crazy series of events ended up launching a, just a ground coffee for cold brew and it has been an absolute rocket ship and um that's like the number one selling product on amazon uh it's rolling. number wait say that again it was the number one uh cold brew product so like Ooh, it outsells okay. like starbucks and you know literally every other brand wow. ready to drink format like it's it is the number one selling product so that was like a game changer for us and then we had like relaunched our cold brew concentrate with a new size and a different price and a different location of the store. Basically, took all of our learnings over the last like two years and like started over essentially. Okay. And um, totally changed the game for us. And now we're just like crushing it. So you got the espresso in a thousand stores, and yep. did that help with the coffee grounds? Like, because they already knew your name, or was it just completely different? Warpath? So much. It was worse. Honestly, I uh, like didn't it like negatively affected us okay. um, because their thought was like, well, busy went everywhere. And then like it, so, in some stores, it worked great. Most of them, it didn't. But for the most part, they're like uh, busy, like didn't work. Okay. And so there was oh. like a, a tarnish of the brand, yeah, which, um, you know, sucks. But now we're like, hey, we got this product that consumers voted with their dollars and they voted for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, the last one didn't work, but we're still standing and now we're number one. Yeah. I'm fed up with networking events. And by no means is that a controversial thing to say at all. But, you know, I'm I'm going out on a limb here and I'm trying to say that all I want to do is enjoy some beer and have some conversation. Is that too much to ask? Well, Deck, you could have said that a little bit better. But what he's trying to say is some of the best conversations and more importantly, collaborations, that's what Lincoln Drink is all about. Have those conversations with local hustlers, entrepreneurs, creatives, and people right here in the Twin Cities sandbox. Yes, and this will be the fourth of its kind. It's still in its nascency. Nascency. But boy, is it growing. We're stoked to have you. Remember this time and place. We'll give you some time. Grab some pen and paper. Write this down in your notes right now. Remember this. May 8th at Finnegan's Bruco. That's May 8th at Finnegan's Bruco.
And my follow-up question goes to the Amazon route. So the stores might have failed, but the online presence where everyone sees every single day, mm-hmm. they, they have access to every single day at any moment of the day, you guys are top of the list. Yep. And that is pretty damn cool. And one of the coolest things when we first met you was when you kind of went down that path of figuring out how Amazon, um, like being that recommended supply on Amazon, which I never even thought of, um, is such a consumer uh, goal. And you can really um, create momentum through that. So was you kind of had that realization through almost your whole career. And then once Busy Coffee hit that mark, I mean, that must have just been an absolute buy rewarding feeling. What was that? Do you buy a Ferrari? Did I? Would I? Uh, I'd like to someday, but it's not, not in the cars right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, having the best seller tag, it's like the ultimate. If you're an yeah. Amazon seller, it is the ultimate. Like everyone fights for that. Yeah. The largest plans in the world have that tag. And now we're able to leverage that to launch other products. And whenever anyone sees one of our products, they generally see all of them on Amazon. And mm-hmm. so they always see that best seller badge. So, yeah, we're really lucky we invested in Amazon early. You know, we're kind of like unstoppable on it now. Yeah. And I love that we talked about everything in your in in that story before we ever mentioned that, like, you're killing it on Amazon. Because I think the, the, the grind and the story and the commitment to yourself and, like, the belief and trying to just build confidence and just day by day, that's, that's why you're number one. It's yeah. not just because – it's a sick brand which no. it is but it's a good brand but man we failed a lot like yeah. this is like one percent of the failures right just the highlights the yeah. real big ones that people exactly. can see externally but yeah i mean it's been failing for like 10 years right i graduated in 2011 to what 2019 yeah i mean i haven't made it until recently yeah it makes for a good podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure um so kind of rallying it into the back pocket core questions um so that's busy coffee in a nutshell, like you said, just highlight moments, um, but more so on yourself. We love tapping into our guests personally. Um, this is our favorite question to ask. It's what's your average quality? And for those of the, you that don't know how we frame it, it's something that you do well sometimes and not so well other times. At the end of the day, this is your average quality. So what's your average quality? Alex? Yeah, it's like super, super average. Um, I'm like really goal oriented. And so I read a lot about goals and like the majority of people on their goals list every year is like wake up earlier. And I am super average at that. Mm-hmm. Like I snooze a lot and oh. uh, I hate it. Right. I hate it. And some days I wake up and I'm just like, no alarm. Let's freaking go. And then some days, you know, I've slept enough and whatever. I'm just like, I nah not not today yeah right, today's not the day for snooze me. button is your is your enemy it is my enemy it's a curse andrew just pops out of bed no matter what every time we're roommates too so like he's just hates the freaking snooze like we travel <laughs> together sometimes yeah. and he's like dude you're killing me right now so what's a good time like when do you when do you set your alarm for and when are you actually getting up so it's super seasonal for me like <laughs> i <laughs> i like need the sun <laughs> Yeah, I like need the sun Don't real bad, so I pretty much try and get up when the sun's up, and uh, I just yeah, I mean I'll set my alarm like a little bit before the sun's up, and then try and snooze until the sun is up, and then that's like my 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 real alarm clock. And do you go to bed with the sun as well? No, man, I haven't gone to bed with the sun in a very 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 long time. Not one with the sun. No, I, I'm like the opposite. I stay up way later than I should for no reason. I mean, I'm doing stuff, but uh, yeah. I know I should go to bed early, and I just like refuse to. Yeah, yeah, that's a tremendous average quality because I love that you dom- You're like Andrew in that sense, and you just say f your snooze alarm. Well, I'm 
Well, first off, the court like the corporate world is holding me to that standard right now. True. For sure. Like if I would if we were just running the back pocket or something like that and it was like you could get up whenever you would, I I don't know what I would do. You would you get up to you're an engineer, you do the same thing you do every day. Um yeah, I'm very regimented. Yeah. Um but what I started to do, so we had a we had a guest on, um his name's Keen Loggy. He started his own like diet company. It's called the Undefined Diet and it's basically he just coaches people up on getting the small tasks done. And one of the things that he said was to wake up every morning and hit stop instead of snooze. And then when you get up, get one glass of water in yourself, brush your teeth and get going. And so ever since that day, I was a big time snooze guy, like always gave myself the nine minute snooze. And I just kind of just made the switch in my brain. Like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to super hyped to hit stop i'm so average i and just then, can't it, even well, do it it's it, so tough it, it is tough in like days now if i'm like really tired and get like four or five hours of sleep i'll hit stop still and i'm like oh dude you're and like, better just, man than i because it will just be like a zombie will kind of look like this i'm like oh no well sometimes it's like two minutes and i gotta wake up and go i don't know i yeah. the corporate things hold me the standard though like if, if if that wasn't there if i didn't have to be there at six you know like I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. I set my alarm is uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's uh, so awesome. Yeah, it's 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 Battle of Plainor Fields. So it really doesn't get loud to like fifty seconds. So I get I always like set it another minute early, and then like my dream will transition to like an absolute bat, just a war. And I'm waking up, God, and I'm like on that. a horse, and I'm like ready to go. So that helps me. But uh, <laughs> I just needed to share that story. I know that was totally a tangent, but I just no, that was incredible. Ba- Battle yeah, of the Plainor awesome. Fields is a ba- very pivotal part of my life and it needs to be vocalized love it um so that's your average quality alex but there's another question that brings out the best in you and it's what's in your back pocket so as alex french what's in your back pocket when times get tough you know i kind of do the whole vision board thing and uh i'm super goal oriented so i'll snooze but like i did iron man this year if i have like a tangible goal with a deadline that's kind of like what drives me so i set deadlines for everything um is just like having that visual reminder of like this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm striving for. So I just always have like the visual reminder. I'm a visual person, mm-hmm. so I just like see that, and uh, that's like my go. So I could be having a, a bad day or not being super productive, and it's like I I just know that like I want something so bad that I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get it. And if I don't have that like reminder right in front of my face, I'll forget. So I just always have that like my Instagram feed is things with things that I care about, my background on my phone, my background on my computer, like my pictures in my room, like everything that I see and everything that I fill my brain with is just like working towards that goal. Dude, what's a, what's a big goal year this year? Yeah, I try, I'm trying to keep it a little less. I got like a bunch of work ones, but, um, you know, personally, I'm trying to see one of the natural uh, seven wonders of the world. I'd really wanted to see the Northern Lights. I don't think I'm going to this year, but uh, oh. there's a lot of other ones that are a little more. Dude, you got a lot so. of time left. It's February. It's true. Come on, sure. ten we'll, months. Summers. We'll go with you. Yeah, where you need, right. to, where you want to go, dude? Well, you got to go up north. That's the yeah, thing, up right? North? So okay. we'd, like, we'd probably want to like the the lowest. I got a real good friend, John Scar. He's like a crazy uh, photographer. Just camps out in the middle of fields in the winter. But oh. uh, he says you, there's like a place just north of Duluth you can go to. It's like a lighthouse or something. That's supposed to be pretty awesome. Okay. And you were, and you like ruled that out. You're like can't go that I'm far. Like, I'm just like shit, man. I just <laughs> yeah. keep working. All right. Well, we'll, we'll put it on the company card. Yeah, we'll pay a pocket company card. We'll make it and we'll take you there. Man, you guys are awesome. And yeah. we'll do a podcast with what John Scar? John Scar, he's the man. I mean, you should. Okay. He's like a nut. 
Yeah, no, it sounds like a freaking beast, which um, transitions me to my next question. Who would you challenge? So Andrew and I love challenges and visions. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, real quick, one thing I wanted to tell you is at the beginning of this year, um, instead of doing like resolutions, I use the reminder app on my iPhone and I set reminders for every quarter on the things that I wanted to accomplish, which is kind of close to like your vision thing so that I get reminded like in April of just saying like, stay true to what you actually believe in. Or I, I put down a bunch of like core things, but I just want to mention that. Um, it's your own personal vision board. Yeah. Personal vision. A little board. pat on the back. Yeah. They call me, I don't know if you knew this, they call me Decky vision, Decky visionary. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Visionary manufacturing to sponsor the podcast too. We got a lot of vision stuff going on here. Great plug. Yeah. Go ahead and shoot, sh- go over to a uh, visionary manufacturing and, uh, check out their apparel. And maybe, <laughs> um, if you're really into them, <laughs> feel free to use, uh, Shoot us an email at the back pocket at visionary yeah, back pocket at visionary mfg.com. Yeah, and we don't get, hesitate. Yeah, we can get you some uh, some real discounts there. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> we do uh, we do uh, challenges on this podcast, and a lot of it is kind of setting to that goal thing and using the um, strong tight connections between all of our guests to build a really cool tight knit foundation driven network. So. With that being said, who would you challenge us to get on the back pocket? Oh gosh, there's so many, <clears throat> so many good people here locally. I think, um, you know, I think the Woodchuck guys have an awesome story. Not Tommy's, but um, actually, I think maybe John they don't has. have to be. Maybe we, John is. Um, but did if you, you guys, Jack, work for Woodchuck? No. No, we'll talk about this later. I worked for Buddies, which used to be in the same Oh yeah, no, I know, okay, I know, uh, I know, Buddy extremely well. We've 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 uh, hit the hit the food circuit a long time. But yeah, Ben Ben VW, I think he's actually launching a book tonight. But um, <laughs> shout out to that guy. Yeah, Ben VW, man, he's got a cool story. That would be my challenge for you guys if you can get him on. He's got a sweet story, and he's okay. an awesome dude. Love it. Hell yeah! Thank you for that. We love challenges. Absolutely. Um, game, game, game alert. Dense, dense. So we started this game at the beginning of season three. This is now uh, episode three. Mm-hmm. of season three and we're gonna do it again so it's so the second time we're doing this mustache or trash so you're gonna tag it with it's a simple game on your end you just tag it with mustache or trash mustache is something that's epic like we're mustache guys we rock it every november we go hard and uh that's epic mustache or trash get it out of here just throw in the trash out of the house bad idea all right so Must- mustache yeah okay <laughs> he gets it he gets, yeah. <laughs> all right he's playing first first uh mustache or trash is Tagging the Back Pocket Podcast with top local influencer. Mustache or trash? Mustache. Yes. Yes. Big mustache. Yeah. Handlebar mustache. <laughs> <laughs> um, putting busy coffee like on tap or products in workout places on their way out after a 6 o'clock morning. <sighs> trash. Dang. Dude. Wow. Yeah, no, we tried that. You did? That's, yeah. Uh, volume's low. Volume's low. Okay. Quality goes down. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry. Um, running a Tough Mudder with the Back Pocket Boys. Tough mustache. Yes. Yeah, dude. Right. We okay. got to figure out. We got to go do some research on that because I actually want to run a Tough Mudder. I, yeah, I was I, thinking a Spartan race, but I, that's the only one I've done. I'll do a Tough Mudder too. Yeah, I want to get one of those done for sure. Um, oh, I got another one. Uh, in the workout rain, working out at Alter Fitness with the Back Pocket Boys. Yeah, mustache. Never been. Let's do it. Dude, it's it nice. is an awesome workout. I don't know. Like, what kind of workouts are you doing nowadays? 
Oh, you know, I don't have a goal, so it's kind of maintenance stuff, man. I'm just going into the weight room doing yoga, mm-hmm. waiting for it to get warm so I can get on my bicycle. That's okay. really what I'm straight. I got a, I'm doing a uh, century ride in May, so I got to get on my bike. I haven't been on it yet. And you and you did an Ironman last year? Yep, June. How was that? Stupid. It was my first ever <laughs> triathlon. Um, just under-trained. Running a startup is terrible. The actual running an Ironman is not stupid, but your performance was? My performance and training was atrocious. Um, Finished, but, you know, barely with a smile. Just barely. (laughs) Trash. (laughs) Trash. Do you know, uh, have you ever heard of the name Shad Ireland? Uh, It sounds familiar. He's he's in the area. We had him on the podcast last season. He was the first dialysis patient to ever finish a triathlon. And he... Um, actually ended up becoming a professional at the age of 31 and was like professional for a long time. Dang, he's probably so much faster than me. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say, it. I'm not going to speak to that, but, yeah. um, dude, he's a beast. If you want to just get fired yeah. up, yeah. that's a freaking, All right. it is, in. it is an awesome story. Uh, this might be the last one. Do you have any more? No. Okay. Last one. Um, I'm going to admit this. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the back pocket, but I was a, uh, right. I was an avid tobacco user. I'm Andrew and Sarah, and I was addicted to tobacco, but I quit. You did? I quit. Yeah, yeah right here, yeah. brother. But uh, if, for those people that aren't quitting, um, <laughs> Busy Chew, like coffee grounds. You, you know, there actually already is a product like that oh. called uh, Grinds. They were on Shark Tank. Okay. Uh, I don't. I think. I think it does well. Um, so yeah, mustache for them. For them, not yeah. for you. Not for no, you. no, no, trash. No, no trash. Trash for busy. Mustache for the grinds. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good no. idea. But oh, I actually busy. I have one more. Oh, you do. Um, yeah. I I really want to get some busy coffee. Uh, we we're like horrible in this house with like getting decent coffee grounds. Uh, one time I bought like what did I buy like caribou coffee like caramel. No, you just flavor. yeah, you got caramel flavor, bro. I d- like, I threw out, I I got the worst coffee. And you got like birthday cake or something. I yeah. ridicule you for a month. Yeah, I just I need to get some. I need to get like. Do you have massive bags of busy coffee that I can just bring in and have forever? Yeah, we got we got a lot. Okay, okay cool. Yeah. yeah. Can, and then mustache or trash like discount price yeah mustache for sure work out a deal we can we're actually launching a new item on uh, our website in april okay so i'm a comedian so like i can put it on my story and just like make fun of it i don't know if that's good for your brand <laughs> i'm just messing yeah i mean all, all press is good press they say there we go dude all right cool that's our game that's our game thanks for playing all right that. yeah for mustache, playing, good mustache. Job, sweet all right so kind of trapping the buck trapping the puck and transition into our final questions absolutely okay First question is, we've just harped you with questions for 50 minutes plus. Do you have any questions for us? Yeah, I think I have one that'll be awesome for your listeners too. And like, what makes a great interview? Mm. I can take, well, you will, we'll both answer this because we both have it. You're fired up. Go ahead. Um, It really has to do with like the relationship that you have with that person. I think that's first and foremost um, because they really get you. And when you go, when you're in these headphones, it is just a whole nother ball game, and you're just throwing it back and forth. I think that's definitely one thing that I look for. That's a good answer. I'm going to take a little more lighthearted. I think it's sitting pretzel style as an interviewee mm-hmm. or interviewer, because the interviewee is just like, damn, like this is super casual. This guy's over here in an armchair, yeah. sitting pretzel style, and I think it feeds off a good vibe and a good aroma. Yeah. To your point, it's. Uh, Andrew and I used to just have like a really bad table like that we bought on Facebook Marketplace right around here and we sat in these like super uncomfortable wooden chairs and it the feng shui was bad. And the interviews were like decent. We had really good interviews last season, but we just scrapped it all 
bought this nice couch, bought it's these great. floral chairs, uh, which we feel super passionately about. But it really enhances the conversation. Like we every, like to think. We like to think. Yeah. I have enjoyed so much listening to all the podcasts we've put out this season, and I think it has a lot to do with the feng shui. What'd you say? Yeah. The comfortability? Absolutely. It's important. Okay. We, we Our biggest average quality would be feng shui. Yeah. And that's... Uh, just the the act the actual like pre- presenting the of the room the energy yeah we're we're learning it's a trial and error strikes and gutters ebbs and flows ups and downs process we're freaking out but uh, yeah good question did we answer I, that you, yeah can i can i ask one yeah more? yeah no wait hold on oh, uh good, i want to hear okay. your because you listen to a ton of audio content yeah. including mm-hmm. podcasts what do you think makes a good podcast <clears throat> so i'm super mood dependent um mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts to fall asleep. I listen to some to gain specific education. And sometimes I just need a little hoo-hoo, rah-rah. Um, and so it depends on that. So I think, you know, I probably have dreams that are too big for my britches. So I like hearing about really epic stories. But I think the ones that I spend the most time listening to now that I really value is like actionable content. Because I'm just in this like day-to-day grind that I want to like, okay, I have a problem. What is the solution to this problem? Just like someone tell me what to do and I'll just execute it. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what I, li- I like most. And then um, I've really been getting getting into uh, stuff you missed in history class to fall asleep to. It's like kind of well, nice Is that the name list. of the podcast? Yeah. I'm getting after that right away. Awesome. Sounds, yeah, that I, sounds incredible. And they like put out a lot of content. So I like just fall asleep to it, which for better or worse for them, like I listen to it, but like. You know, there would probably add dollars, and like I'm definitely asleep before the ads. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, who knows how their advertisers think about that? Yeah, we had a few guests early on. That's uh, or a few listeners early on that said we we fall asleep to you guys. It's awesome. We love if we fall falling asleep. We're like, sure, sure. At least you listen to us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. get the um, numbers up. That's awesome. What was your next question? Um, what's your guys' vision Ooh. for the back pocket? Mm-hmm. So, honestly since that conversation you had we had with you it was kind of like a culmination of a, a few things and a pointing us in the right direction but you really kind of put the the uh the nail on the head um that is that the right saying yeah yeah um the top local influencer podcast and spinning it in a way of just dominating our sandbox saying of the month Love that. um is where we're going to attack for the next three months and really just try to get these local hitters on that have this sweet story that want to just kind of guide us in a direction of people that we don't know, but people that can connect us to that next person. Cause that's our growth model. It's absolutely getting on guests and have and tapping into their market and then putting out another podcast. that's kind of relatively in that genre and uh, locking them in and hopefully they return. Um, dominate the sandbox. This twin cities is, is freaking awesome. And I love being a part of it. We're newbies here, Colorado boy and a Chicago boy coming into the twin cities and just trying to rock their world. It's really what it comes down to. I think um, it's it's with a vision thing, it's really hard to or I get really anxious, like thinking about like the five year plan and the 10 year plan. But what J.C. Lippel had said on our last podcast really made me feel like, man, if I just stay humble, if I just show up to work every day and just keep grinding and, you know, look for those opportunities, have a blast reaching out to guests that I like and just kind of keep the ball rolling in a sense with the humility and everything that I, that I've totally built and believe in, then I I think I'm live stress-free and just keep going and see what happens. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Cause I love having these conversations, dude. Like I look forward to these conversations 
every, like all day. It's like all I can think about. I mean, it's so fun. Like, and like hear myself in these headphones. Like, yeah. This mic, it's great. Like, yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. Because when's the last time you had a conversation totally undistracted for now an hour? <sighs> Not like this. I mean, I ever probably right. any questions like this that were I guess could tell my story truthfully and honestly and openly. It's great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It okay. Awesome. And that's what I mean. That's what we love to do. Yeah. It's incredible, man. So great question. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and now to our final question. Last question. Absolutely. What did you learn today? Simple question from the time that you woke up to when we're having this conversation right now. What did I learn today? Um, everything's kind of work related, unfortunately, but we found this new product opportunity in a very non-competitive market and, Mm. uh, we're just like super pumped to just run after it. I'm assuming you don't want to like spill the beans. We'll be launching a new product in April cool. on our website, yeah. um, busycoffee.com. If you guys don't follow us, Absolutely. Um, we put out some kind of okay content around saving time and tips and tricks for productivity and stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll be launching a new product. It's super awesome. It solves a problem and it's like a huge market. So Dude, I'm so excited to like see where you guys go now because you're killing Amazon and now you're just world's at your fingertips man yeah we, it's, it's it's gonna be a fun year 2019 is gonna be our best year yet for sure all right love that same hey, um where can they find alex french i know they can find busy coffee at busycoffee.com yeah i mean realistically the best place to find me is on linkedin okay uh, linkedin.com slash i think maybe alex j french or something like that um, sure. i'm also on instagram but it's, you know more of a lurker so you can find me alexander <laughs> chase french <laughs> I've been working on it, my Instagram game for years, and it's just, it's stagnant. It's stagnant. stagnant. Well, uh, Alex, that's a wrap. Alex, the lurker on Instagram. Thank you so much for coming on our show. (laughs) That's all finished. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys.